0: Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning. All right. Where's John? Oh, there he is. I'm like, I don't see him anywhere. (laughs) Uh, John is picking up our series of Romans for the week. So John Fouché, ladies and gentlemen. Where is John? Uh, John has been gone. So I had about four weeks in Texas uh, taking care of my, my brother who passed away a couple weeks ago, and I want to thank you all for um, your prayers and your support and you covering things. The staff are covering things here. Uh, it really means a lot. <clears throat> um, I thought I'd ta- tell you a little bit more about that, and then pick up where Jeff Lo- left off in Romans chapter ten. Uh, my brother, uh, as I said, died a couple weeks ago. For the last eighteen months, he's had colon colon cancer. I encourage you to get a colonoscopy when your doctor says it. Uh, it spread to his lungs, and it got to the place of it ultimately crowding out his lungs, and and uh, that's how he passed away. Uh, he called me and. June really concerned that he wasn't going to finish well. And I rolled my eyes because he's such an encouraging wonderful person. I didn't know he had the capacity to finish poorly. And I was right. He finished very very well. He uh, really wanted to work until the end and I remember uh, two weeks before he passed away we were sitting in his house. He was. Uh, we were waiting for a hospice uh company to come by a representative to share a little bit about whether or not he should uh, go with them or not and he made a closing on a sale and as he's working he's a salesman and closing this he would wink at me you know and then he would put it on mute cough a bunch pull back on mute close the deal wink at me hang up say yeah i got that um Just a couple days before, he was whispering plans to his business colleagues, half getting his affairs in order, and half just doing business. And I'll never forget the time when he he decided to die. For about a week there, the doctors and the nurses were just amazed that he was still living. And they said, He's got to choose to die. He's got to decide to die. And the next morning, he'd wake up and say, it's a great day. Let's go bless some people. And he had no desire to die. At one point, I was sitting outside with him saying, yeah, they really think you're at the end. And he looked at me like, I am not at the end. I remember, though, two days before he died, uh, 36 hours before he died, he a nurse came in and asked him what he wanted for dinner, what was, uh, they had two options for him to pick from. And he looked at her and said, I don't think I'm going to order anything because I'm about to go be with Jesus. It came out that she was a Christian and um, they talked a little bit about that. And he, she left and he said to her, hold on a second. I will see you in heaven. And from that moment on, he had decided he was ready to go to be with the Lord. One of the questions that's come to mind this week for me as I've studied this passage is who chose to die? Was it the cancer that chose to kill Drew? Or was it Drew that decided to die? on January 29th, 2023? And the answer was both. It was both. Uh, The question we're asking Romans 9 and 10 is, who chooses for us to live? Is it God who chooses us to be saved? Or is it us that chooses to be saved? Romans chapter 9 emphasizes the first election Romans 10 emphasizes what we would call man's responsibility, what some people would call free will. It's our decision to be saved. And it's both. Uh, I was just listening to the uh, Sunika stuff and I just wrote down, who chooses to bring the fresh water for the community in Nicaragua? Well, God chooses to send the water with rain, but the people choose to lay a pipeline to bring that water and have it be clean. It's, it's both. They choose to lay a pipeline so that, what Josh said in the video, they would see the provision of the Lord. It's both. Yesterday I was running with Chris Wandor, and we hit a really tough hill at the end of the six and a half miles, and the, the thought came to mind of running as a mental battle. But I just run six miles already, and I only had a half mile left to go. Well, what is running? Is running a mental battle? Yes. Is running a physical battle? Yes. What is it? It's both. And so there are many things that we have a both in. Uh, and one of them is also the subject that could be a little bit more difficult for us to get around. And part of the reason why it's difficult to get around is because the, 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 uh, it's not a paradox, actually. Uh, paradox is a statement that seems contradictory, but it's true. It's called an antinomy. So an antinomy is when there's one statement that's completely true, and there's another statement that's completely true, but there's no contradiction in either, and there's no contradiction with them together. I'm not sure the Sunika in my running example totally falls under the a- antinomy deal, but basically, it's really true. Scripture presents both and sees no conflict. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was asked once, how do you reconcile predestination and free will? And he said, you don't have to reconcile friends. Scripture presents again and again in both. So if you want to hear a little bit more about the both, Jeff did a really good job last week. You could pull that up and see that. For you to explain that, Uh, if you still need a little bit more work, I would encourage you to order J.I. Packer's Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, which is a fantastic book written now 60 years ago, and it's just as good today as it was back then. So today we're going to just cover verse, uh, uh, chapter 10. Again, chapter 9 was about primarily predestination that God calls his people to salvation. He chooses us. Today, it's about people are held responsible and must call upon the Lord, right? We choose God. And we're going to go there, but I don't want to emphasize there to the exclusion of chapter 9 because both of these are happening, all right? Okay, enough for a review on that. Also, by the way, Jeff also did a remarkable job of pointing out why one of them has to happen before the other one by looking at Ephesians 2. And uh, if you want to, again, study that a little bit more, uh, we can do that. So I went from talking about heaven and my brother to totally knee-deep in theology. I'm just a pastor. That's just what I do. Okay? Uh, So in honor of God and his word, would you please stand? We're going to cover Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. I'm actually picking some of the middle verses here because I ran out of time to study the whole passage and because the first part of it and the last part of it I thought was mostly review about the Jews and Jeff's going to unpack that more. So Romans chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. I'm going to read this and I'm going to say at the end this is the word of the Lord and if you believe it, I'd like you to respond. Thanks be to God. Romans chapter 9, I mean Romans chapter 10, sorry, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Here's the big idea of Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not always obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Before Drew passed away on Tuesday before the Saturday, he said, "Now get out, get out of pen. Here's what I want you to do for my funeral." It's like, okay, here we go. I guess I'm speaking at your funeral. He said, "I want you to ask her by one question. Do you know if you're going to heaven?" And that's my question for you today. Do you know if you're going to heaven? If you believe in the Bible, which is an F, but if you believe in the Bible and you believe it has authority over your life, like Romans 9 hinted at last week, then you can be confident because twice it says in this passage, you will be saved. If you are confident, if you believe, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave, you will be saved. To be able to do that, you got to say, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. So this is not just something you say with your mouth. It's not just life insurance, as some people would say, or fire insurance, I mean, Or it's not just easy beliefism. In fact, the scripture says here, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a beautiful parallelism there between the mouth and the heart and between Jesus is Lord and God raising Jesus from the dead. It's a beautiful kind of way he wrote it. But Paul is saying, yes, you need to say it. You have to say it. But this is an outward declaration of an inward reality. You've got to believe it in your heart. At the core of your beating, being deep down. This is not just saying a prayer or going through the motions or making sure you're not jinxed. This is a wholehearted belief, inside out. And it's evidence on the outside. But it's clear on the inside. So I want to ask you, are you sure? Uh, are you sure that you're going to heaven? Are you sure? Do you know if you're going to heaven? Have you confessed it with your mouth? Have, you, have your affections in your heart been kindled, stirred to go with what you said in your mouth? Like you just are grateful for the gift. You know, the one word I think that should characterize Christians is grateful. Because just when they deserve judgment, they get grace upon grace. Just when they deserve to be punished, they get a gift. It is Christmas. All over again. Have you done that? Because Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, if you believe in the Bible and you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, you will be saved. You are assured of salvation. It's happening. And it's happening not just because you said, Thank you for the gift but because someone gave you the gift in the first place. And that was Jesus Christ who did all the work for you. This is your call to the Lord. There's a second call, calling upon others to call upon the Lord. We're called to share this with others. And this is a natural thing. We found life. You kind of want to tell other people. You know how many times you've been super excited about some new product that hit the market? And you got to tell somebody else. How many times has a college freshman said, This Chat GPT just wrote this paper? This is awesome. Y'all need to use it too. It's the breakdowns in the illustration, I believe. (laughs) But you've been excited in in something that you've seen that's brought you life, right? You've seen. Uh, The beauty of somebody else and you're like, gosh, have you seen how beautiful that person is? Like, can I really say that out loud? But it's really true. You've received life and you want to talk about it. You've received a gift from someone that means so much to you. A letter, a note, a memory of something in the past. Something that was so well chosen. And you want to just say thank you. It's a natural inside out, and we're called to do the same thing. Verse 14 picks this out. Let me read it again. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they preach unless they are sent? There's a couple words there I want you to notice. The first one you probably jumped out to you, and it was the word preaching. And you think, yes, John, that's what you're doing right now? You're responsible for the preaching. And that's actually not true. Just because we've kind of hit a form with the church and we call this the preacher and we uh, are used to a monologue for 30 minutes and that's the way we do things, that's not what this is saying. Preaching means to proclaim. All right? You're a preacher. I'm just, as a preacher, I know you don't want to be a preacher, <laughs> but you are, if you truly believe it. You are an evangelist. Just like Apple might have an evangelist, you're an evangelist of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if you're truly grateful, you want to say thanks. So preaching is your job and mine. And, uh, and I, I don't want that word to throw you off because of the current connotations we have in it. It is basically just sharing the good news of what Jesus has done, of what the Scripture says, so that somebody else could find and see life. Um, The other word here is a big little word is the word sent, S-E-N-T. It's kind of a subtle word. You probably missed it. It's obviously a big word for the disciples of Jesus. Jesus himself was sent. He says in John 2021 20, as the father has sent me even so I am sending you that God the father sent Jesus Christ his son to us to become one of us to be incarnate to live life to know what it's like to deal with a hard irritable family at the end of the day to know what it's like to deal deal with the struggles of sweat and labor He knows what it's like to be persecuted. He knows what it's like because God became a person. He was sent. And this was ordained. He stepped into our lives. And Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You are to go into people's lives. You are to sweat. You are to carry burdens. You are to suffer. And you with them. And you are, in the midst of their suffering, say, I've got good news. I know where to find life. Like, like God has done. So this is a divine pattern we are participating in. And so by naturally receiving the gift, by naturally talking about it, by naturally living in other people's lives, and by naturally telling them where to find life, this is a divine pattern that we participate in. Four weeks ago, at the week uh, Drew and I were interviewing hospice agencies, there's a hospice representative that came in. It's supposed to be an hour meeting, right? From 12 to 1. We had not eaten lunch. We started talking about all this stuff and all these things and, and uh, what care would look like and all this stuff. About 55 minutes in, uh, Drew said to her, Are you sure you're going to heaven? And I was like, crap. (laughs) I totally did. I was like, I am so hungry. (laughs) And she hesitated. And Drew, like a wonderful gentleman, said, can I ask you a few questions? Why do you hesitate? She said, well, you know, I'm in the middle of hospice, and we deal with death and dying all the time, and it's just not so easy he said, why not? So because everybody has a different belief system. Well, what do you believe? And he just went through question after question. And finally, he said, uh, quoting one of the verses from Romans, he basically said, if you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Now, this conversation lasted 50 minutes. And it took me 50 minutes to get past the hunger. And that We're now into an hour and 50 minutes into this conversation And to realizing that Drew was being a beautiful pastor in that moment, to share where this person can find life as he was dying and as he had surety of his hope of where he was going, that he spent this time with this woman, who was a sweet woman. Of course, she worked in hospice, to say, You can have life, you can choose. And he gave her that option. And I also realized in that moment, this man for the last 18 months has that very best way of dying because his mission, his focus has been clear. And he was the strongest evangelist I've ever met in the last 18 months. But I also walked away like, what's up with me? Like, what is up with me? I mean, I'm employed. By Oak City Church, they kind of want me to talk about Jesus. Why am I timid sometimes? And um, you probably would share that with me of why do we hesitate to share the gospel. And there's obviously several reasons. None of them really great. It's probably not a lack of compassion in you. It may be, but it's probably not. I mean, like you and me, we're around people all the time that are struggling that are depressed that are lonely that are upset that are angry that are feel trapped and they need life they long for life and you've got the words of life but sometimes we hesitate why do we hesitate well sometimes it's because we're like I don't want to say this is the only way because other people find their ways apparently that's what they say But if you're a Christian, you know every time you choose another way, it just doesn't deliver on its promises. It doesn't work. And you come right back to, all right, I'm going to trust the Lord. And it works. It doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't change all your circumstances. But it changes you from the inside out. Once again, you find the peace in the middle of chaos again and again and again. You find life in the middle of things declining all around you. All again and again and again, you know better. And yeah, we can be um, we can bow our need to a, a lost world that all are trying to find their own saviors from their special workout program to uh, to their religion. Um, and sometimes we break, break back down because of that lack of confidence and exclusiveness and in an answer. But yet, you can see in your life when you choose the Lord, there's just no downside. (laughs) There's no downside. Some of us fear disapproval more than we fear God. Let's just say it. Sometimes we fear disapproval of others more than we fear God. We're worried they're going to think we're weird. But yet, we still have the words of life and they're still suffering. Other times, we're apathetic. And we just assume they're apathetic. We yawn when we hear a sermon on Sunday or a inspirational text that's not so inspirational. We just assume other people are not so inspirational, but we look and they are dealing with anger and real issues and they're, they're desperate for answers and yet we don't open our mouth. Uh, sometimes it's a lack of knowledge, but really, is it really? Google, how to lead people to Jesus You'll you'll probably, 90% chance, you'll get the right answer, you know? You get this scripture here today. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. That's it. Uh, So I think a lot of times, though, probably my number one reason, I just get focused on myself. I'm hungry, and I want lunch. Anyway, you cut it. Continuing to let people in your life suffer and you not opening up your mouth about the life-giving message of Jesus is unloving. It's just unloving. Uh, I realize there are places in wisdom where you decide to be quiet because you need to just listen to someone. That's loving. That's fair. I realize there are times that uh, that you need to really stop and build a bridge, a relational bridge before you just start saying it I realize sometimes you're on the clock with a secular uh, organization or company, school and you just need to figure out a way to say it after hours that's fair there's wisdom in this but ultimately it comes down to it and you're not willing to say it it's not loving And I've been struck with that in the last 18 months. God wants you to speak up. Sure, God could save people without your help or mine. But that's not what God's Word says. He wants you to speak up. In fact, He depends on it. I mean, look at the way it's even asking these rhetorical questions. How? How, then, will they call upon Him when they have not believed? How? I'm like, well, God... Show someone in a dream. But guess what happens after you hear a story of somebody encountering Jesus with a dream? Somebody tends to be there that says, let me help you understand that dream. Let's open up the scriptures together. God wants our help. He has given us this role. And he says, just share what you've read in the scriptures and what you've experienced in your life. Just share Open up your mouth. And if we do, the results are up to God. Our role is just to share. It is truly the hard work of God, which isn't too hard at all for God, to save someone. And the hard work, which sometimes can be really a lot of hard work for someone to believe in God, the responsibility of what happens with their salvation is up to God and them. But your responsibility is just speak the life-giving message of Christ and leave the results to the Lord. Obey God and leave the results to God. Obey God and leave the results of God. And if you do, guess what God will say about you? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful that is to see you sharing your joy as a fellow human to another one so that they can see the joy that comes into someone's life that puts it all in towards salvation in Christ alone. You know who else will say something like that? the person that becomes a believer that you meet in heaven. How beautiful it was for you to sit down and share with me the gospel. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what you'll say? You'll say, I saw Anthony call upon the name of the Lord and he was saved. I saw Emma call upon the name of the Lord, and she was saved. I saw Jaden, call upon the name of the Lord, and he was saved. I saw Suzanne, call upon the name of the Lord, and she was saved. My dad died two and a half years ago. And my father's last words to my brother Drew, he was, you know, Drew was my hero. And my dad was Drew's hero. My last words that my father said to Drew was, I will see you soon. And a year later, when he was diagnosed with cancer, he called me and said, do you think he was telling me I will see him soon in heaven? And I was like, Drew, I have no idea. I don't know. That, that just, you know. But the longer he went, he said, I will see dad soon. He gave him hope. He had all the hope he needed from scripture alone, but he got it also from that. What I do believe today is that my brother and my dad are in heaven together. And I believe my mom was there because she was determined to share the gospel with us. My mother sat down one day from church in the morning when I was four years old and said, John, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You trust in the Lord. I rolled my eyes and walked away. But years later, when I was 19 and I was dealing with trying to find life in all these wrong places, I woke up one day and I thought, trust in the Lord with all my heart. And all those things that my mother had told me about having faith in Christ finally took. And I believed it in my heart and I confessed it with my mouth. And it all turned around. The same happened with my brother and my mom and dad. It's because they were changed and they shared the gospel with us that we can be able to say the same thing. So I wanna end again with the question. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know that you're going to heaven? If not, I'd like to ask you to join me in saying this scripture, just quietly where you are. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I would like to ask you to say that today. To make a verbal confession to someone that's trusted today. That's a reflection of a heart that has been stirred by the love of Christ, the free gift of salvation for you. If you're not sure, I'd like you to grab that trusted person, to base your life on Scripture, and to choose God. If you know you're going to heaven, are any of the people in your life struggling that need to be told about where to find life? If there's somebody in your life that comes to mind that right now you realize, I need to tell them about Jesus it would be unloving for me to keep quiet i'd like to you to ga- gather their th- mind their name in your mind and make a resolution in some way shape or form you'll say hey i want to talk to you about something i've been hesitant to talk to you and i'm sorry i've been hesitant to talk to you about this but this means so much to me that i have found life in jesus christ his death and resurrection and you can too. Have you believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave? If somebody comes to mind that you see them struggling and you know you've kept quiet, I want to ask you to go, to pursue them, to speak the good news so that they can hear and make a decision. And if they respond, you have the confidence that you can turn around to say to them, I will see you in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I oh, thank you so much for just the simple message of salvation and the message of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for changing um, my life over this i thank you that all other ways of seeking to get yourself out of pain just don't work but jesus works every time and i just pray father we would cooperate with that reality and i pray we would speak that reality i pray father for the people in the room that need to come to the place where they believe i pray that today would be the day And I pray for the people that have come to mind that we need to speak the truth to. And I just pray for your power to move so that in the end of the day, your name would be lifted up in another life and that someone would move from death to life. And we pray these in Jesus' name, amen.